Hola, buenos Welcome to the Geek Royal Podcast. ¿Qué pasa, amigos? All right, one of us is Mexican, the other one isn't, which is which. <laughs> one of us can swear better in Spanish than the other one. Right now, like, basically all we just did is everybody's, like, just turning the volume down greatly. And like, son of a f- bitch, why did you do pinche culo, gringo? Lo siento. All right. Welcome to the Geek Relay Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Miguel Spragle. And I'm the other host, Juan Lanquisto. We should just do that the whole episode, <laughs> just to have it just be a... Most annoying episode ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, by all means, housekeeping out of the way right away. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Geek Roulette. Uh, on top of that, rate us well on whatever podcast platform you use. Or you know what? Just trash us. Just trash us horribly. We don't care. We can take it. Mm-hmm. So uh, this episode we're going to do is going to be just basically another Scattergories episode. We're just going to talk about a few different uh, things going on in the random geek world. Uh, touching on some of the hallmark things that have happened over the past week or two. First and foremost, let's, uh, let's talk recommendations. Crap, I need another recommendation. Uh, when, Damn it. What do you mean? Yes, every episode we oh. get a recommendation. Yes, it's been a long time since our last episode. Um, go! You asshole. <laughs> All right, for my recommendation is this. Um, one thing that just uh, launched, and granted this episode will be about a week out before, you know, or after the second episode, but... Watchmen on HBO just launched, and I'm not going to recommend Watchmen just yet. It's a good show. What I'm going to recommend is that pre-order the soundtrack by Trent Reznor and uh, Atticus Ross. Such an amazing job. Uh, Trent Reznor, I would say if Nine Inch Nails ever were to you know, stop being a band in whatever they would consider a band, because it's technically just Trent Reznor. I, Trent Reznor already has an Oscar under his belt for uh, the social network, and he already has a Grammy. I don't think he has an Emmy. But you know what? If someone were to give him an Emmy, I guarantee it's going to be the soundtrack to the show. And then he would just have yeah. to work to get a Tony at this point to write a Broadway soundtrack. Oddly enough, I could see Trent doing a Broadway musical. Well, that's the thing. He's done so much soundtrack work because he's done a Ken Burns documentary. He's done like almost like four David Fincher movies, if I remember correctly. I mean, he's he's done an amazing job with his soundtrack and atmospheric sound that he does. He's a talented man. He is. So. We can just turn this into the Trent Reznor podcast this episode. We're not going to do that. <laughs> but yeah, I just want to make sure to stress out this. He's releasing three volumes of the soundtrack He's staggering the releases of the soundtrack based on uh, what point the season is. So, like, the first uh, soundtrack uh, album doesn't come out for another two weeks. Then it's two weeks after that, and I think it's two weeks after that. But I uh, I love so far what I heard out of the episode of Watchmen last night. I'll touch on Watchmen a little bit later, too, in our categories part, which my co-host did not watch. Yeah. So, uh, what you going to... It just came out, like, two days ago. Uh, yeah, sure. What are you going to recommend now, huh? Oh, damn it. Fool. I did play a game the other day that's not U-Rails that you cannot buy anywhere, apparently, but it's... What do you mean, U-Rails? Once again, you got to get better with realizing no. that we... Yes, we're recording this at the same time night yes. as the previous episode, but you can't have that level of continuity. I know. Damn it. No, this one is... This was Bears versus Babies, made by the same people who did Exploding Kittens. Uh, Matthew Inman from... The Oatmeal, the internet cartoon strip, which actually, if you haven't read that, you should go check that out. That's got some good stuff there. But uh, no, Bears vs. Babies is it's a fairly simple, light game. It's a good uh, 
don't know if you want to call it an icebreaker game if you're doing a game night or if you have some less experienced gamers or you want to play something with your kids. Um, it's fairly simple. You build these crazy, weird, bear monster things with cards, and then you attack babies with them because, you know, screw those babies. They had it coming. Um, played a little bit while we were in Nashville. It's, you know, like I said, a good, light, fun time, and, you know, you can get it at clearance at Target now because that's where I got mine. Clearance, baby. That's the way to go. <laughs> Sounds like it's doing very well if it's already plug, on clearance. Plug, plug, plug. But, yes, there right, we go. Tr- trying to save it from the evil depths. Yeah, you know, such is life. All right. Um, arbitrary list. This is one thing I didn't have anything prepped for at this Uh-oh. point. Yeah, I, with this, it, it's been busy. So, you know, I would say if I had to do an arbitrary list, let's just... Oh, what could I make a list of? Mm. Favorite monkeys? Let's do our uh, favorite uh, game shows, top three favorite game shows. Ooh, top three favorite game shows. That's tough. You start off while I think. All right. I think my number one, and I say this, I would say the number two would could easily be number one, too, but I think number one deserves a better place in history it would be jeopardy and the reason why is because it's one of those shows you can watch and always learn something from which is always amazing i think one of the great things about jeopardy it's sad because recently alex trebek has said that he's hitting a point in this stage of cancer where he doesn't feel like he can do the show anymore where he's getting sores in his mouth because of the treatment and it's affecting his speech and He's talking about how the end of him doing the show, much less the end of him, is coming inevitably soon. But I feel that Jeopardy has always been such an amazing show. We've rooted on people like Ken Jennings, who you know had a great streak. We've you know seen Watts in the computer compete on there. You know you've seen you know people. I, I think the one thing I always feel bad about Jeopardy is this: is that it, a show that you basically you know you're trying to show how much knowledge you know like the average winner only wins like usually twelve ten thousand to twelve thousand dollars like an episode they would play on versus some dumb piece of shit could go on like deal or no deal randomly guess their way to a million dollars with no talent whatsoever and yeah it, you know it's that's i think i always hate is like when you see game shows where there's no true acumen of skill it's just like yep you're just the right guy at the right time and here's your money you know make that much more money so jeopardy would always be my number one yeah and that's it's probably not my number one but it's probably definitely top three for me as well jeopardy's good stuff i mean it's you know and for so many people i mean even like my dad to this day like my if we have my parents over for dinner they still be like well we'll be over after your dad's watching jeopardy you know because it's on at 4 30 and heaven forbid he misses it but uh you know, it's one of those shows that's stayed so relevant, I think, because it hasn't really gone for any of those big cliche type, you know, type of money grab shows like a lot of things do. It's it's basically been the same thing since it was day one. And, uh, you know, it's had its weird little, you know, it's had Celebrity Jeopardy and it's had the, you know, Tournament of Champions and College Jeopardy. It's had, you know, the different iterations of it aren't really cash grabs. They're just kind of basically playing the same game just with you know the theme being the type of people that are playing it maybe so i think it's it's one of those timeless games that um you know will always i think be whenever you're looking at the top game shows that's always going to be if not number one pretty darn close right uh, i would say my number two i would say that a show that was a cornerstone of my childhood my mom would always watch soap operas at like you know 11 and 12 o'clock 
But before soap operas at 10 o'clock, you had The Price is Right. Uh, yes. The Price is Right you'd watch. You had <laughs> such iconic games like, you know, the Yodeler game. You'd have Safe Crackers, The Wheel. You'd have, of course, Plinko. Plinko. You'd, you'd, like, eventually play along with the show trying to guess. And even as a kid, I would start, like, learning what the prices of certain things were, which I still had no idea what they were. Now, you had, of course, two different uh, phases of the show. You had, of course, the original host, Bob Barker. And then you had, of course, the Drew Carey era. And I would say that while the Bob Barker is the more celebrated, well-known, it's also Bob Barker is more of a skeezier person in secret that has come to light. Yeah, even, even while the show was on, there was some stuff that would come out every once in a while about his mistreatment of the, the, the Barker's beauties or the Bob's beauties. you know, which Barker's beauties. In, in and of itself is kind of a skeezy name and just, you know, there was a lot more going on behind the scenes there than I'm sure even we will ever hear. Right. Uh, so definitely, uh, that was a huge part of my childhood. I think the other thing too, is that was also very remarkable about, um, uh, prices, right. Is the me inventing the prices, right. Drinking game. Yes. I was hoping you were going to bring that up. That's probably, you know, along, along with watching that, like, you know, on your days off of school or when you were sick from school. Yes. So this is right. Drinking game. I made amazing. A, I made a drinking game. Do you still have that tape? I still have the tape. <laughs> so what the the price is right. Drinking game was I made a drinking game where I took like maybe about 30 or 40 different common occurrences. Well, well first you had to pre-record like a week's worth of the show. Right. Was, was what you had to do. I pre-recorded a week's worth of show. And then I would have like these slips of paper, which had listed on there common things that would happen on the show or yeah, maybe ho- not as common but they would happen homemade t-shirt or somebody right has bob or Some, like somebody like bids one dollar and each like everybody would draw like that would be participating in the game would draw like three or four sheets of paper out of a hat and then essentially what would happen is is that every time that event occurred on like an episode you took a drink so like every time somebody weren't each of them assigned numbers like first you know like the the rare ones had more like if somebody got the plinko game that was five drinks maybe if somebody won both showcase showdowns you had to drink like the entire bottle of what you had and yes you know or like if homemade t-shirt was like one drink it was like five drinks if like somebody spun a dollar or if somebody got the exact bid right at show on the uh, you know contestants row when they were bidding on stuff, but it was I recorded the last week episode, a last week of episodes Bob Barker ever did for The Price Is Right, and I know we played it once at least. We, we did. It was like but a I bet, think, but was, I think that was just a random week. I think we saved that last week for right another time and then never got around to it. Right. So uh, Price Is Right, that's uh, another one of mine. Now that we're old, we should do that again. Yeah, I'm sure we can handle that pretty well. <laughs> that would go well. Um, one of mine that I remember kind of fondly that most people probably wouldn't, you know, I don't fondly is probably not necessarily the word. It was a fun game show while it was on. I think it was on Comedy Central, I want to say. And that was one called uh, Beat the Geeks. Yep. And that was, I don't know, it was on for a couple seasons maybe, not too long. It was fairly short-lived. I think it was only two seasons. But uh, the premise of it was there was kind of this council of three or four geeks. I think there was three mainstay geeks. There was a TV geek, a movie geek. What was the third regular Comic one? Comic geek or I don't know. I don't think movie he was. Geek. I, I, I forget what the third one was. Music maybe. I think it might have yeah. been a music geek. And then there was a rotating fourth guest geek who might have been like a Star Wars geek or a comic book geek or... They were a little bit more specialized, and they had two or three contestants on there that would have to answer kind of geeky-type questions. And I think, I don't remember if it was just at the end of the game or if at certain points in the game, they could challenge the geeks to, like, you know, to their knowledge and try to, you know, beat the geek, essentially. 
Um, it was kind of a fun game show, especially since it was kind of one of the few that, you know, being a geek at the time, this was before, I think, even really, maybe just before, but it was just before geek kind of became this mainstream thing. So it, was it was still... When, it was mid-2000s, I think, and it's when geek had more of a negative connotation. Yeah, a little bit. It was just starting, I would say, to come out of the, you know, where it was kind of this accepted thing and being a geek was, you know, quote-unquote cool or whatever. So it was kind of nice to see that, and it was kind of fun to, you know, could I beat the geek? You know, there were, you know, with some of the questions that they'd be asking and whatnot. So that was a, it was a fun one. I don't know that you could, you could maybe find some YouTube clips of it or something like that. But uh, that was a fun one that that I enjoyed while it was out. Uh, my third one, man, that's hard. It's it's almost a three way tie. Cop out. Because what do I take? Do I take the Jim Perry years of Card Sharks? Do I take Press Your Luck? Or do I take MXT Most Extreme Challenge? What do I take, John? I'm not going with any one of those three. Oh, screw you then. <laughs> Each of them had their merits. I would say, like, uh, Card Sharks, that was always a great game. And Jim Perry was a very underrated host. He was also known for shows like Deal of the Century. I know a lot about game show hosts, so that's just me. Bob <laughs> Eubanks also was the host on there. Fuck Bob Eubanks. That guy's a fucking prick. Bob Eubanks, you can go suck a dick. <laughs> Somewhere out there just now, he's like, what the fuck? Something... God. Well, no, <laughs> how's Bob Eubanks he going to find it? Is he even still alive? Probably not. He'd be pretty darn old. <sighs> Hang on a second here. Only we no, have I'm going to find out if Bob Eubanks is still alive. I hope he has a Twitter account. I'm going to tweet him this goddamn episode. <laughs> Screw you, Bob Eubanks. And then he's going to take like 20 hours <laughs> like trying to figure out. No, he's still alive. He's 84 year, 81 years old. So oh, I figured he'd been older than that. No, nope, that's right, Bob. You be angst. I'm going to fuck you up, man, with this <laughs> call out here, you sack of shit. <laughs> Bob Eubanks is now officially the arch enemy of the Geek Roulette podcast. Well, no, he's just... Bob Eubanks is always just this smarmy prick. Like, he did the newlywed game and... More, more than Chuck Woolery? Actually, one of my one of the reasons like I think I came to hate... Uh, uh, Bob Eubanks was because of the uh, Michael Moore movie Roger and Me. When like you're they they're interviewing Bob Eubanks and you just see what kind of a just a just a smarmy prick he is in <laughs> just real life and you you just Tell us re- how you really feel. <laughs> I yeah you know I I can't even go on. You go on. What screw that guy? Where's where's your third one? Fuck Bob Eubanks. <clears throat> My third one is one that most people I think would have seen. That is Double Dare from the Nickelodeon. Um, I remember watching that one when I was right, younger. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. That's a pretty good chase there. That, there's no good goddamn stuff. Bob Eubanks in it. No, there's not. There is, what's his name, Mark Summers, I yeah, think, Mark right? Mark Summers. Would later go on to Unwrapped fame on the Food Network. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and I probably don't even need to explain it because I'm sure pretty much everybody has seen it. It was kind of a quiz show with two teams of kids. I don't know if they were family members or if they were just yeah. paired together randomly. I forget that aspect. Well, it was two kids and then, like, yeah. It, then they had family double there where it was yeah. kids with their parents. And but then, it was trivia, but then at some point they'd get dares that they'd have to do in the middle of the show that were some weird, crazy stunt that, you know, they were timed and they had to do something. And then pretty much all of them were messy in some way, shape, or form. And then at the end of the game, the winning team would have to go on this insane, freaking obstacle course that had slime on everything. And you had to try and, like, you know, like giant hamster wheels and run them and go underneath these limbo bars and grab flags. Well, and... I remember the most was always the prizes because they always were giving away Casio keyboards. Yeah. They were always giving away Nintendo Entertainment Systems. They I, feel, are... I feel like it was like they had the same dozen prizes mm-hmm. back. And when there was kids, always kids like coffee bicycles. Yeah, kids wouldn't win them, so they just recycle them for the next week and they just keep going on. Right. 
But it was just one of those crazy shows, like, it, you know, the obstacle course at the end was timed, and you always got excited when they'd beat the whole thing, and it was just this weird, goofy, crazy thing that played into, you know, everything you wanted as a kid, and it was, you know, you always dreamed about, maybe one day I'll be on Double Dare, but no, you never would be. No. You had to live vicariously. All right. Well, now we're done with our arbitrary list. Goddamn skeezy Bob Eubanks. Screw you. Uh, so a few different topics to talk about that have happened and occurred over this past week or so. Uh, starting off, uh, one of the big events that just occurred this past night was the uh, Star Wars Episode Nine final trailer. Which, Wait, what? That that came out? Well, I like how they call it the final trailer because you're still going to see like two or three more TV, you know, spots. Yeah, there's and... always like, there's a TV spot that has four seconds of new footage. So this, this is what I'm going to say about this because I, I loved watching it. I will say the one thing I hate about this trailer is that within the past day, it's not even like 24 hours old, and there is already like 17 articles from IGN, another oh, 15 God, articles yes. from was, Entertainment Weekly. Even last night, there was I saw one article that said like there we, is we screen cap every shot from this thing, and it's 185 screen. I'm like, good God, for, and right? Was, there's there's like already 2,000 reaction videos on YouTube, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, just enjoy it. I mean, I think yeah. this is what I'm going to say because the one thing I don't want to do is I don't want to speculate into this because the one thing that they have always been very good about Star Wars is the art of misdirection through the actual trailers, where everybody like sees something in the trailer, like, oh, maybe this is this, maybe this is this, maybe this is this. And then we find out, no, we were just, you know, shut the fuck up, watch the movie, and you're getting yeah. too fancy into it. Like, I have, I have zero desire to ever do, like, a, let's break this down shot by shot and scene by scene of the trailer and what we think. I think it's it's fine if that's something that you're into. Go ahead and knock yourself out. It's, you know, it's not really my bag. You know, I'll look at a few of the, theories that some people have that you know and some of them might be interesting and some of them seem just batshit insane i think three of my like favorite takeaways from the trailer that came out is that i like the implied scope of it i like it is a change where you you get to the end of last jedi and you think oh man things are hopeless because you know nobody was responding to their stress but then you see you know just the scope and magnitude of all the ships yeah. all the battles and everything and you sit there and it's like, all right, this, this is good because I think that was always one of my favorite parts about Return of the Jedi was that you had this giant battle, and that's that's kind of what I want to see is I want to see this giant battle. I like that. I think you definitely had a lot of, like, you know, showing of other various auxiliary characters, which made yeah. you think, like, good, you know. They're, they're... I do like you get the Emperor's just his arrogance and his, you know, his line that he has in there where it's basically like, you know, you guys all coming together is going to be your doom. It's just his... His prickish, like, you know, I'm better than you, he, you know, which he displays so well in Return of the Jedi, and seems like it's at least going to be back in some form here, where he's like, you guys coming together is going to be your undoing, and just his prickish bravado I, I... It was good to see. Hello? Hello? Yeah, I thought my headphone got, like, disconnected, Technical difficulties, folks. Sorry I, I think that. one of my last favorite takeaways from the uh, trailer, too, visually... It... It looks good. I mean, I think one of the one of the things I really would say was my bigger criticism about the Last Jedi is that it's either on a spaceship, it's either on Luke's like waterlogged planet with a bunch of green milk dispensing animals, <laughs> or you're on the shitty casino planet. There wasn't a lot of variety, and I don't think the sets they had were very visually enticing, to say the least. So. 
like the only I think thing visually that was done well in the Last Jedi is when you had that giant like fight with uh, Kylo and Rey after they killed Snoke. I think that was a very well filmed and visually yeah. good scene. But like looking at all the sets and everything that you're seeing, the different planets, the different atmospheres, the oh, different yeah, you've things. Got, you've got the Death Star two ruins. You've got the the desert planet, which yes, it's another desert planet, but you know you've got that. You've got the the jungle planet of some sort. The and... intertwined space shots. I mean, visually, this already seems to have an amazing amount of like cinema, cinematography, CGI, and background on there. So yeah. And, and I will fully admit that I, you know, this the scene in the middle where it kind of stops everything and you get C-3PO and they're like, you know, pose like, C-3PO, what are you doing? And it, it, it corny as hell, but, you know, worked for me every bit of it. And then he's like, I'm just getting one last look at my friends. And it's like, oh, God damn it, C-3PO, you son of a bitch. Well, and the thing that sucks too, it, hey, can you hear me? I cannot hear you very well. Hang on. We have drama. Drama, people, if you can hear us, hold in there. I can hear me now. All right. We are having technical issues, people. Please, please stay with us. <laughs> What's going on? It's, it's the ghost of Bob Eubanks. It is. He's fucking with us. God damn it, Bob. He He's right now somehow live heard this, killed himself, and he's coming right now to try to haunt us. <laughs> God damn it, Bob. Uh, yeah, that whole C-3PO thing, I think the one thing that just drove me nuts. I mean, I saw that scene like, all right, that's kind of good right there. Yeah. But then I also sat there and thought... Like, then just every, like, what does that scene really mean? And, then like, all the theories. And, like, I read, like, one or two. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Just watch the movie. Well, Let just it... watch them. And it's not that hard to, you know, like, it's probably a scene just before whatever the final battle is. And he's, you know, C-3PO. So he's like, hey, we're all going to die. So, you know, hey, I'm looking at you guys one last time. Like, it's not, you know, you just, yeah, like you said, go watch the movie. Yep. So I have I have my tickets for opening night. Yeah, and there was that, like, and it came out earlier than I thought I was, and that's always, because like, I end up buying tickets for, you know, there's a fairly decent-sized group of us, and I end up buying them for the us, and then for over the weekend, so, like, and last year with Last Jedi, or not last year, it would have been two years ago, I suppose, Last Jedi, there was just this horrible snafu, and even with Avengers Endgame, this re- more recently, just with sites just being just a clusterfuck and just, you know, you're like, oh my god, am I getting tickets? And this time it went fairly smoothly. I actually got lucky and saw Alamo had posted, like, hey, tickets are on sale, so I... Quick ran downstairs and first tried AMC because that's where my what's closest to me and that was not happening, and so I went to uh, Alamo then right after that and it was just a cakewalk basically like everything in there just went smoothly. I got tickets for three different showings and decent seats and I even got some nice bonus glass you know glassware to drink beer out of and stuff. And I, I would say this: well. I have never had the problems you're describing because for the past year and a half, two years since it's been open, all I've been seeing is mostly movies in Alamo. And I would say that Alamo is probably one of the best places to watch a movie, just not only because of their culture, but I would say they do everything they can to make it a very seamless process. No, I would agree. And like I said, the only reason I go AMC is because it's, you know, the one that's a couple miles down the street from me, whereas Alamo's a little bit further away but worth a drive, so I certainly don't mind having to drive out here, you know three times over the course of three days out uh, here being the, the alamo that we have here the alamo draft house which has about over 15 20 different locations nationwide yeah, something like that well one of them happens to be in the town i live in here so yay, yay. yes go to alamo draft house all alamo, right so money. uh let's segue this into something else here because one other thing i'll be curious to see if it feeds anything into the uh upcoming release of the rise of skywalker 
In a couple of weeks, we have the release or the launch of Disney Plus, and over the past week or so, they've announced a list of all of the programs that are going to be at there at launch time. And, and it is ungodly long. Oh, it is. I. It's a lot of things that a lot of people, you know, knew. I mean, some of the things they leaked. So, I mean, having access to like all the. Uh, late 80s Disney, you know, block cartoons like DuckTales, Rescue Rangers. Great seeing that. You saw a lot of the movies that you figured saw. They're pumping a, a lot of the Marvel movies in there. Not all of them, though. Which ones are missing? I didn't look at the list too closely. They're, what they have to do is this. Is I think, if I'm correct, it's more of a retroactive kind of aspect where, uh, like, Captain Marvel will be released as one of the first like available movies yeah. on Disney Plus. I would, I would imagine the ones that have come out since they knew they were doing this are probably going to be on there. Well, part of it is because you still have the Netflix contract and the contract with stars, if I'm correct, for a lot of the movies that you have on there. So the trick is, is you know, you got to wait for those to fully. And part of it too is, you know, no need to lose your full wad on there, but being. Looking over, because I'm on a site right now which has like a breakdown by year. You know, the original content that's going to be available at launch is the Marvel Hero Project, eh. One Day at Disney, eh. Encore, eh. The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Well, that should be interesting, yes. Yes, I hit my mic right there because I was pumping my fist like, yes. Because that should be awesome. There's a, did you see the trailer for that? Yes. Yes, that looks like that should be batshit. I, I was also punching the, the microphone stand because I was pretending that was Bob Eubanks' face. Yes, screw you. Right, uh, Noel, whatever, high school and musical, the uh, musical, this series, whatever. There, There's only one original content at launch that makes, it only matters. Yes. That's The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. So I'm I'm extremely looking forward to that. You know, there are 2019 showings of movies. I mean, they'll have Captain Marvel, the live-action Dumbo, which, screw yeah. that, whatever. Don't care about that. You know, you have... You, I, I, I think the bigger thing I'm curious on when it comes to Disney is the stuff that they don't like to release on the videos. So I like looking at like some of their 70s stuff that they have on there. Apple Dumpling Gang. Yeah, Apple Dumpling Gang's on there. You have like Disney's Robin Hood, which is going to be interesting. Uh, Swiss Family Robinson. that uh, Even Escape the Witch Mountain, which is definitely a lot more freakier movie when it comes down yeah, to Yeah, Disney it. kind of delved into that weird... I wouldn't call it quite pseudo-horror, maybe, is what you'd call it. It's certainly not horror, but it's like, I don't know, D- Disney horror, I suppose, is the best way to put it. There's that one, I think, with The Watcher in the Woods is another one. Right, they have that. Even Pete's Dragon, which is like the cat from outer space. Yeah, yeah. those weird Disney, you know, I'm sure the shaggy dog's on there. They will have the black hole on there, John. Oh, yes, I, I specifically did go and look and see if that's on there, because... Heaven forbid Disney Movie Rewards gets their shit together and puts that out on Blu-ray like they're supposed to. Ironically enough, this episode almost almost was us doing a recap of The Black Hole, but then we discussed other things, and then some of us didn't watch things that they said they were going to watch, and, you know, things happen. Other things I like, too, is they're going to have the uh, early 80s uh, Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends cartoon. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's, that, that was always one of my favorite ones. They'll have Tron on there. Nice. I believe they'll also have uh, Tron Legacy. I would imagine it would. Right. Just looking at all the things sticking out here, uh, they will have three men and a little bit and a baby. If you actually, yeah. actually, one movie I'm very curious because I have not watched it since it originally came out. What's that? Willow. Yeah, it'll be a good one. I think. Didn't it just get a DVD or a Blu-ray release not it, too long ago? It did. Ago? It just did get a Blu-ray. Yeah, I haven't seen that one in 
quite a while. I remember it fondly, but I don't know if that's just, you know, rose-colored glasses. Maybe that's one we can watch and, and do a quick recap for on here. You're getting all the seasons of The Simpsons. Nice. So right there, that's great, because before that was available through FX, but the problem is that you watch it on FX, you had to log in through their app through your cable provider. So if yeah, you were a cable cutter, it, was, it wasn't... It was kind of clunky and just not as smooth, whereas I'm sure this will be fairly right. seamless. Uh, the uh, early 90s X-Men animated series, which is a lot shittier than people remember. Which is, it just felt, I, I, I always, like, here's my hot take, guys. Bob Eubank sucks, and the X-Men animated series, I don't know why it gets as much love as it is. The animation wasn't that great. It was, think, be- it was because it was the first time we took a, something yeah, as so a comic. It's, it's because it was well before, like, Geek, you know, being a geek was cool again. If we, you know, touch on that again, it was like, oh my god, the X Men have a cartoon, and just it was because there was nothing. Anything you got was immediately just awesome, and that I think kind of fell into that category. Whereas if that were to come out today, we'd can't, we'd look at it a lot more critically because you know we've got well, I've got a Spider Man cartoon and a Batman cartoon and movies and this and that and the other. So I don't need to. You yeah, know. the the voice acting in there is just bad, and the writing isn't much <laughs> better either. I mean, I remember watching it as a kid, and even then. It, like I I watched it like the first season and then I watched it into the second season, but even then I like I had to tap out. I was like I, it's the X Men, but it just feels like they're cutting so many corners and it yeah. wasn't something I could really get myself into. So, so I mean, you know, that'll be on there if you want to revisit that. Um, most of the Pixar movies are going to be available on there. Most of the Star Wars, except for I think the current batch, which is. Uh, Last Jedi and Force Awakens, I don't think they'll be available right, right away on there, if I'm correct. Interesting. Well, part of it is, as is I said... Is the holiday special on there? The holiday special That's is what we should do. We should there. do a Christmas special this year with the holiday special. Oh, dear God. I've got it on DVD. Actually, you know what the superior X-Men cartoon was? What? X-Men Evolution. I always heard that was good, but I never saw it. That was great. I actually remember watching that. Like you know, and I was like, this is actually good. It was much better written. The character acting was much better. That is a far superior cartoon than the original uh, early 90s X-Men cartoon. Yeah, I'll give you that, but again, haven't seen it. Right. Uh, you know, you got a bunch of the other stuff, you know, you got going in 2001, looks pretty bland, 2002. Yeah, basically if there's something Disney that you have liked at any point in your life, unless it's like, you know, Song of the South, you're probably going to be able to catch it on here. You got the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, which mm, I think once you get past the first one, the other two suck pretty bad. Yeah, they're okay for the first couple, but then it keeps No, the first of, one. You know. Let's just stop at the first one. What was the second one? Exactly. Was that, was that the two-part one? Well, you could say it's a two-part one, but it it's the bad one. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. A lot of Kim Possible. If you like Kim Possible, then guess what? Disney's got you covered. <laughs> then you got a high school musical and oh wait a minute garfield a tale of two kitties is on there oh, oh good god why disney why disney that's how do, not how do, how do they have that didn't nickelodeon just buy garfield how does how does disney afford everything i don't know it's only a matter of time before disney buys up nickelodeon oh good for them uh yeah, then we're going into mm-hmm. Iron Man, going to Star Wars The Clone Wars will be on there, which is good. Yes, including, I think, I don't think it comes out till next year, but a new season, of la- the last season of it. Right, the supposedly. final season. Um, hmm. 
a lot of the Tinkerbell movies, which if my daughter was yeah. not older, she'd love those when yeah. she was younger. Five, five or six years ago, my daughter would have loved that as well. Yeah, it was Tron Legacy, big fan of that. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, reading through, I, there's there's a lot to be excited about. I mean, it's, I mean, I think what this movie is, like, I remember, like, parents that have tons of VHS movies or tons of DVDs. Now you're just getting all of that into just yeah. one app, which is great. It'll be nice. So dirt cheap. I'm going to segue into something here. So I don't know if you heard this news or not. Did you hear what HBO purchased? I have not. At least I don't think I have. Is this just today? Uh, it was yesterday. Yesterday? Or it past day or two. I may have seen it and then forgot about it or something. What did they buy? HBO bought the entire streaming rights to the Studio Ghibli movies. Oh, yes, I did see that, actually, now that you mention it. There's some good stuff in there. That is that is a huge. I mean, I I think this is really this next year is going to be a true content wars when it comes to streaming services. Oh yeah, you've got HBO. I mean, with that is a nice pickup. I think aren't they merging with like Warner Brothers too to do like a Warner Brothers super? I don't know what they call it, like HBO Max. I want to say um, where it's them and all the Warner Brothers catalog. I mean, that'll be nice. And you've got Apple coming out with all their stuff. Disney Plus, you know, and obviously you've still got Hulu and Netflix out there. Yeah, I think 2020 is definitely shaping up to be, you know, know, the streaming wars battlefield. It's the battle for content. It's basically, you know, what rights can we grab to what nobody else has? You know, it's like, all right, we finally got the rights to Friends. We got the rights to The Office. Like NBC right now, they're hoarding back as much of their own properties as they can. Even CBS for the past couple years with their doing, like, original stuff like the new Star Trek series and doing... uh, yeah, which that which Discovery didn't really entice me all that much, but I think this upcoming Picard show looks like it should be interesting. I have you heard anything about the uh, the Twilight Zone that came out last year? I have. I, I remember when it came I, out, I it had some mixed, buzz. I heard mixed things. Yeah, I, I mean, remember I, when it came out, it had this buzz, and then I just like never heard anything about it again. Right. I mean, but I mean, getting the rights to those you know movies. I mean, you have. You know, Totoro, My Neighbor Totoro, you have, like, Princess Mononoke, Howl's Moving yeah. Castle. I mean, you, you have a lot of movies on there that really getting digital streaming rights to them before was not an easy thing. and Or being able to find one localized place to watch them all. Yeah, and even, like, you know, most movies you can get fairly affordably on DVD these days. And those, those ones, I think, are still fairly spendy if you want to pick up the blu-rays it'll be nice to have those on one centralized location where you can check them all out right they were almost where you were going to pay a premium pretty much i mean it's so yeah i if i'm correct hbo launches their new hbo max service i want to say february or march next year if i'm correct and yeah and depending on pricing on that especially like with the studio ghibli stuff i might have to pick that one up because there's a lot of stuff there that i've seen some of it but i had certainly have not seen all of it well this is my i think my biggest concern right now is that my concern is is that what's the cost of this service going to be because right now if i'm already paying 15 dollars for hbo max at this point yeah right, are they going to keep the price the same because i can't imagine you're going to get all this content and not like eh, but we're going to raise the price maybe about two or three dollars yeah i think it's I think that's the big thing is it's going to be the price point on that and seeing what, you know, I mean, if it's 15 bucks, I'll probably, you know, eh, I don't know about that. But if it's, you know, 10 bucks or less, then, you know, it'll be a little bit harder to turn that down. Right. So, yeah, the the streaming wars are right now livening up. I, I think the, the ones I'll be very curious about is this, because I think with Disney Plus, the thing they're doing smart, too, is this, is that Disney now has Hulu. So... 
For Disney, their rule is that they will not have anything R-rated that will be on Disney+. Plus. Anything that's R-rated from the Fox movie studios or anything like that, all of that's going to Hulu. Yeah, which is, you know, I don't mind so much. I mean, it's it'll be nice to be able to give the kids their moment. Like, Here you go, have fun on the Disney Plus app. Well, you know, there's not going to be right instead of having to worry about like putting content stuff on, you know, or you know, parental locks. You still might, I guess, because you know, with Marvel movies, you got some swearing here and there. And... Yeah, I mean, PG thirteen. There's still a lot you can get away with, but it's not you know as horrible as like you know, hey, we're going to show you know Friday the thirteenth or something or whatever it might be in Fox's back catalog. I don't think Fox owns Friday the 13th. Probably not. I was just throwing something out there. I don't know who has that. But, but they do have, like, I believe, uh, like, Alien series. I think they have Predator. Yeah, I'm pretty sure those are all under this that umbrella. Right. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's that. Move on to another topic. So, the one topic we're going to talk about, and maybe I'll just talk about it. Go for it. Uh, so we, I mentioned a little earlier the launch of the Watchmen series on HBO, and the uh, first episode just aired. I would say this. Um, what I would say to you is this. What? When's the last time you read Watchmen the comic? It's been a bit, but probably it was probably back when the movie came out. I think I reread it. So maybe about eleven years ago. Yeah, roughly, probably about a decade. So watching this episode, the first one, it's a very intriguing episode. Um, it basically takes place in 2019. So the book itself, this is actually a direct sequel to the comic. And the comic came out, was based on a story in 85. So technically, you're talking about a storyline that's almost like 40 years, you know, 35 years later at this point from what happened in the comic. What's going to be very confusing is if you watch the movie, the movie changed the ending of the comic completely. Yes. So... You might be lost. There's definitely some things here where i uh be very curious to see where this series goes. I think part of my reasoning for this is that HBO has created a series where for you to maybe have a better appreciation of it, you would have to read a comic book from the 80s, which is an interesting challenge as a standalone series. I don't know how well this... Like, watching this, like, I I try to put in the perspective here. If, like, my wife were to watch this, and she has not read Watchmen, how much would she be able to understand or get or enjoy out of the, the program itself? And there's things that they do kind of allude to, but, like, as an example, one thing they show in the episode is they have one of the characters is Adrian Veidt, who is Ozymandias, who was... Technically, the main villain of uh, antagonist of the villain air quotes, right? <laughs> but the thing is, is they never refer to him by name in the entire show. Interesting. You know it's him, but the problem is, is if I'm a new viewer and I'm watching this, I'm gonna be like, all right, who's this guy? Why? Why do I care who this guy is? And there's something they allude to earlier in the comic that he has maybe faked his death or he has been disappeared, and they allude that they've declared him dead. So it makes you think that, hey, he's been out of, disappeared long enough that people feel he's dead. But he's there, and I just sat there and like, that's a ballsy thing because nobody is going to know who the hell this guy is if you've never read the comic. If you, Even if you watch the movie, you still might be a bit confused about what's going on. Yeah, sounds like an interesting take that they put on it there. Hang on, I got a, I got a wire here that's causing problems, I think. Dick. It's Bob. Bob Eubanks. God damn you, Bob Eubanks. 
But I mean, as I alluded to earlier, I think the soundtrack and the score for the show was great. I think some of the actor choices they have in there is great. I'm curious to see where it goes. Like, like let me ask this question. In The Watchmen, what's your view of Rorschach? Was he a good guy, a bad guy, an anti-hero? I don't think he's quite any of those. I mean, probably closest to an anti-hero. Um, he definitely sees himself as a good guy, which is always, you know what everybody says all the best villains are. They always see themselves as the good guy. You know, I think he's he's looking for the truth and, and, you know, at no matter what the cost is, you know, he doesn't care what that cost is, you know, and ultimately it kind of costs him his life at the end. Um, but I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, it's... The reason you know, why is he's because... He's portrayed as a hero, I would say, but I don't know that that's how what he actually is. I ask that because one of the big uh, plots of the show, it definitely... Re- Racism definitely takes a huge factor into it. But one of the, it's hard to assume, because once again, it's basically a battle between the police and then a, a column of people that are inspired by Rorschach. Now, you're led to believe that these people, that are the Rorschach followers, are the ones that are the bad guys. Now, I don't know if the show is, once again, trying to subvert your expectation and showing that the police state just doing what they can and eh, i i would right. say watch it i mean it's it's an interesting show i think in today today's atmosphere i think the trick is you have a lot of your heavy hitters right now trying to find what that next big thing is because you don't have game of thrones anymore and yeah and what's and i don't know that this is going to be that but you know that doesn't mean it's still not going to be good or can't be good so i think i'll I'm definitely going to watch it. Um, I mean, I, I would say that out of what's out there right now, I mean, is there a heir apparent to Game of Thrones right now? I would say it's hard. I, I think Carnival Row shows some promise. I think that yeah. that works well to it. I know they have, like, her uh, her dark materials, I think, on HBO. Which, yeah, that's coming up next year, I want to say, at some point. But I think it's only a limited, isn't it? I'm not certain that... It looks really good, but I don't know if that's a limited deal or if it's a... I know there's a lot of books in that series that's based on, but I don't know how far they're planning on going with the show. You know what I've been hearing horrible things about, and I haven't watched it in years? Bob Eubanks? Yeah, Bob Eubanks. (laughs) That skeezy piece of taint cheese. Uh, No, the latest uh, launch of uh, the Walking Dead series. Is there a third one now? No, 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 no. Or just a new season? Like the 11th season of... And I haven't heard a darn thing about it, but that's because I just I don't care and don't pay attention to it. I mean, it's just a dog they got to put down, I think, at this point. Yeah, I think it's one of those, especially now that they've got, you know, Fear the Walking Dead on its, what, sixth, seventh season or whatever it is, fifth season maybe. Right. And they supposedly got at least one other one spinning off pretty soon, plus the movies with Rick in them. You know, I think it's one of those things like maybe you look at, okay, maybe we stop the flagship series and just kind of keep going off these other directions. I mean, I think that's one thing with... The world of The Walking Dead that that allows you to do is you don't necessarily have to stay focused on this one group of a few dozen characters and just stay there. You know, I mean, you can go other places in this world. I think maybe that's ultimately what they need to do as some of these characters are getting watered down and just becomes implausible or, or whatever. You know, I don't even know what the problems are with the show because I haven't watched it for a few years. But I think that's definitely something that they need to, you know, think about doing and move on in different directions. So let's uh, let's take a dive in the world of comics. So 
one writer who I used to have a great amount of love and respect for, and now I just find a lot of his stuff to be hacked. Bob Eubanks? Yeah, Bob Eubanks. He couldn't even write a Family Circus (laughs) cartoon. Oh, don't guess going on Family Circus. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, uh, Brian Michael Bendis. I mean, his stuff used to be great, but... Ironically enough, our last episode was like about Kevin Smith. I feel like Bendis has gone the same way where he just is yeah, not evolved well as a writer. So it's been solicited because you can't just let things happen. you got to leak it to the press and have it all hyped up. But apparently in one of his storyline arcs coming up this December, Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman, or Superman, a.k.a. Clark Kent, is going to give up his secret identity and reveal himself to the world. Yeah, I saw a headline based on that, and I just didn't even care enough to look into it. I'm like, yeah, been there, done that. He's, you know, I mean, I don't know. You just, I don't, it's, it's one of, it just, who cares? I mean, it's not a big deal, I don't think, in this day and age. I think you've got to do something more interesting than that. And maybe what he does with the ramifications will be better, but I, I also kind I just of hope it doesn't turn into like a shitty Spider-Man situation where he reveals his identity, but then... Oh, wait, thanks to magic, everybody forgets it again. And Well, or even like, he did the exact same thing with Daredevil, where he revealed Daredevil's identity, and they just did, I, that to me felt like it kept going back and forth. It was like, his identity's out there. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. And it just it kept going back and forth, and it had all these hackneyed reasons for why people didn't think it was. Or it just and it just got this turned into this convoluted mess that ultimately kind of turned me off of his... His writing on that, um, so hopefully it doesn't end up being like that, and he's got a different take on it than what he did with Daredevil, which, you know, you would hope he does because Superman's a considerably different character than Daredevil is. Well, let me ask this. I mean, the better way to put it is this. I I, I think the main reason you had Clark Kent as an alter ego of Superman is so he could go about and be the everyman and walk around the world and see it through the eyes of a human or a regular person and not through the eyes of a Superman itself. But it also generated, I think, in some ways, a weakness for him as well. I mean, it, it was like if, in some ways, it was protecting his, his identity and not revealing himself to the world. And now if everybody knows that Clark Kent isn't real, you know, oh, wait a minute, what if they go after Martha? And <laughs> yeah, Martha, why did you say that name? Why did you say that name? Um, yeah, and I'm sure that's, you know, again, one of the kind of cliched once, you know, somebody's, superhero secret identity gets out there all the villains are like oh let's go after his hometown let's go after his wife let's go after his parents let's go after you know his old college roommate that he forgot he had i mean it's you know and it's you know again hopefully they kind of take a different spin on that because i think we've seen those stories and we've seen you know pretty much every way that those can get played out so i think hopefully you know bendis can figure out something to do with it that's not the same old same old yeah i, I i've always struggled with superman as a character just because it, it's hard, I think, to write him well. I think the biggest problem I've always had with Superman is he's always been an aesthetically boring character because uh, how do you take the world's strongest guy and who can do all these yeah, things and, then, and then, how can you make him seem vulnerable? Yeah, and then give him a challenge that's not just, you know, like, I'm going to outthink him or I'm going to outpunch him. And it just, it, it's yeah, it's tricky to find something to do with Superman, I think, that makes him interesting and, you know makes you want to come back to it month after month. He's definitely had storylines here and there that have worked out, but I think long long term it's a little bit trickier to pull off. Yeah, I I maybe there's a payoff in this somewhere. I just think it's it's feels like an action of like Superman, we've already exhausted every single thing. Let's let's reveal his identity. And I'm not I don't want to also seem like this crotchety comic book fan like there's 
things that gotta stay the same, and one of the things that's gotta stay the same is that Superman is Clark Kent, and Clark Kent is Superman, but you can't know that. People would know that you're Clark Kent. Yeah, um, and I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, and at the end of the day, I just, you know, I don't care one way or the other. I hope it works out. I mean, you know, Bendis, you know, certainly, certainly had chops, and I think, you know, he's not a bad writer. He just, you know, doesn't appeal to me much anymore, so I think hopefully it works out for them and for DC and, you know, I mean, I'm all about getting good comic book stories, whether it's something I'm reading currently or something I'm not reading currently. It's, you know, good comics are good comics. So, segueing from the world of comics to another aspect of comics, I can never pronounce his name right. Kevin Feige? Feige? Kevin Feige, Feige, I think. Feige. Yeah. Anyhow. So, uh, yeah, he's... uh, He's been made in charge of everything now at Marvel, pretty much for all their TV and movie productions. But also... Also, he's going to be heading up Star Wars as well. No, it's not that he's... See, now that, no, he's supposedly looking at doing a Star Wars movie. He's developing, more... right. He's developing yes. a Star Wars movie, but they're tipping his... Let me put, be very clear here. He's already shown he can take anything, like B-rate Marvel characters, and make them into a million-dollar, multi-million-dollar successes. See that... And I feel that, yeah, here, well, we'll let's give you a Star Wars movie and see what happens there. It's basically exploring where his golden touch begins and ends. Yeah, see, I thought the way you were going with that is that he's also been named head of basically Marvel Publishing, too. So he's also now in charge of the comic books as well. Well, as I was going to touch on that also, but I, I wanted to touch on more of the Star Wars aspect, too, because it, it's interesting. I think a lot of people have been very concerned what's going to happen to Star Wars after... Uh, you know this current yeah now that this yeah now the the skywalker saga is ending up you know where are they going to go i mean we've already got supposedly ryan johnson's got a trilogy although that's kind of been thrown up in the air it's questionable lately maybe he doesn't because he's made some comments yeah i I still hope it happens you know like well maybe you know what sounded like a sure thing a few years ago is now like maybe it's not and then the benioff and weiss i suppose he got another trilogy or series of movies that they're doing as well so you know i think people are kind of curious now maybe feige's got this thing going on well and also if the Mandalorian takes off as well as it does, I mean, does, you know, basically Disney say, you know, go to like uh, John Favreau and say, hey, Favreau, well, why don't you make us a Star Wars movie and see how it turns out? And Yeah, I can definitely see that happening. I mean, he's obviously got, you know, he has his chops in movies as well. So it's certainly not out of the question, you know, he might, you know, that might ultimately be up to him if he's like, no, I'm digging it here, doing the movie, you know, the TV show and having fun with that. You know, he might decide to stay there. He might want to do a movie. Um you know, I think it's it's nice to see them kind of reaching out to these different groups, and I think it shows, goes to show, like, Kevin Feige, how well he can do things that, you know, Lucasfilm was willing to reach out and be like, hey, how would you like to work over here? And, you know, I'd be curious to see what he does. Right, I, I think that the one thing I like is just all the dialogue saying that, hey, if we make more Star Wars movies, we're going to explore, like, other aspects of the universe. And I think that's what ap- appeals to me the most about The Mandalorian is that, all the like, all the early footage on it. They had like 25 minutes of new footage from the first three episodes they filmed or uh, or showed to various critics as a preview just the past day or two, and everybody was just raving about it, calling it like almost a cross of like samurai western in outer space. Which yeah, which th- is pretty much all I wanted from that. Thing. Right. Yeah, that's that's perfect. So I'll be very interested in that. To your point that you addressed about him taking over comics, this. This be an interesting thing. It's a slippery slope because you want to have synergy between all your products. So whatever you see that's going on in the movies, if you want to get a comic book for it, guess what? It's going to seem familiar. 
I hope it's not something where now the movies are going to dictate the comics. There has been some of that to some extent over the past decade yeah, or so. Yeah, definitely. Especially um, like Guardians of the Galaxy when they took off more yeah. as a movie then they made sure the comic definitely mirrored much more of what the movie was. And Yeah, and I'll be curious to see, like, is this, like, to make, you know, like, is the Marvel, you know, are they going to do take it a step further even where the Marvel comic books are the same thing as in the movies and now, like, you know, the movies are basically just things that happen in the Marvel Universe. You know, like, do, do we lose the Marvel Universe as we know it now and basically the Marvel Cinematic Universe becomes the Marvel comic book universe as well, and it's all one big seamless storytelling machine, which I kind of hope it doesn't because it's kind of nice that the comics can do whatever they want to, you know, to an extent, obviously, that they, they're kind of free to do their own thing. You know, like, I don't think we'd be getting, you know, House of X and Powers of X as we know it now, you know, if it was part of the cinematic universe. Did you uh, read the new X-Men book? I have not. I've still got to catch up. I've got to finish up uh, House of X and Powers of X. I've still actually got to go pick up X-Men number one. Uh, I know. You're, you were doing so well, it. and then you fell off the map. I was. I know. I've got to run down to Hastings and get the new one. Well, I, I got it, and I would say I'm very interested to see where it goes. Uh, definitely, uh, if it were to be implied, Jean uh, likes sharing herself. Yes, I have heard that. Well, the comic doesn't seem to really do anything to dissuade you either about it. No, that's what I've heard, yes, that you know Jean enjoys a little Wolverine, and sometimes she enjoys a little Scott, and maybe even both at the same time. Who knows? Right. That would just be weird. I mean... Yeah, X-Men just got weird and creepy. Which <laughs> is basically like Hickman's now just like, ah, I fooled you guys. I wrote really good <laughs> comics, so that way I could write my own favorite fanfics. <laughs> X-Men is just one big fanfiction now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much, uh, that covers most of the basic topics and happenings of the past week or two I want to touch on. The world of geek. Anything you want to throw in? No, I think we hit all the, the high points, or at least the ones that are, you know, worth talking about at this time point in time that's good hooray and bob eubanks bob eubanks there's this one big takeaway out of this it's that i apparently do not like bob eubanks yeah we're probably gonna get like a slander lawsuit against us it's not slander is slander and it's printed well no is slander libel would be saying that basically calling bob eubanks names isn't illegal it would be illegal as if I said that Bob Eubanks is a sheep fucker, which I am not saying. <laughs> then that right there, if that's considered slander and libel, because then that's just implying that, yes, he's engaging in activities that he hasn't. You'll say that later. Right. <laughs> Off mic. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that covers everything. Past week, I got uh, my uh, carbonized Mandalorian figure from Target. Yes, nice pickup. Yeah, well, now they're selling like 60 bucks or so on eBay. Sell that bad boy and buy some beer. I think i got to wait till the show comes on. I think that's when it's going to peak. Yeah, probably. I did get, there was, I didn't mention, there's the, uh, I was at a comic convention there, a local one a couple weeks ago, and picked up some some pretty badass sketch covers that I'd actually paid for at the previous comic convention, but picked them up at this one, they, a Chewbacca one and a Han Solo one, and... I have a Poe Dameron one that I believe is getting mailed to me because she wasn't quite done with it yet. Did you just say Dameron? Poe Dameron. Poe is awesome. Do not knock Poe. Well, I'm looking at all the Poes up there. Oh, I know. You're a fan of Poe. Poe is, po is good stuff. And and from what I hear, maybe the new leader of the Resistance, right. but we'll see. Hey, you see I got young Lando up there? You got old Lando coming, too. They're going to hang out. Nice. 
Good old Lando. It was good to see Lando in the trailers. It was good seeing Lando. I think... Billy he, D. Williams looks surprisingly good in those. Because I've seen some, like, actual pictures of him, like, out in, like, you know, from the last few years. Like, yeah, he doesn't look so hot, but he looks like he's having a good time in this one. My wife, because it was, uh, as we're recording this, it was Carrie Fisher's birthday this past day. And, you know, there's articles now out there in outlets. And my wife was dismayed to find she was only 62. She looks bad for 62. I'm like, well, that's what a bunch of drugs and booze yeah. will do to you. I mean, she it, went through some shit. <laughs> addiction is a hell of a thing. And, yeah, she... She definitely had some mileage on her, so... Yes, she lived a life. And, you know... Young, be, young at 62, but she certainly certainly lived a lot in those 62 years. Well, I mean, to be very clear, I mean, Harrison Ford, he looked about appropriate for what he should be for when he portrayed Han Solo in yeah, he, he's The older. Force Awakens. And I think the funny thing about Mark Hamill is Mark Hamill's always... Like, ever since that, like, facial reconstruction surgery, even, you know, and, like, during the Empire days... He's always just seemingly growing more and more ugly as time has gone on. Yeah. I mean, I love me some Mark Hamill, but he's, yeah, he's not, he's he's not in the Tiger Beat magazine anymore, that's for darn sure. No, no, he, he, he is not. He's not sitting there trying to woo Miss Piggy <laughs> anymore. Like back in the day. Back in the Muppet <laughs> Show day. That was like season four, season, season five on the Muppet Show. Yeah, I think so. Oh, uh, it's Mark Hamill. I can't do the voice right now. No. Kermit's not one you want to try and do. Hey, Heidi Holder, Mark Hamill. It's not bad. Are you training right now, Bang Piggy? <laughs> Marching Frog. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Frank Oz does Miss Piggy, too. Yep. Miss Piggy and Yoda. Frank Oz is dead. There you go. He's not dead. Frank Oz is dead. No, he's not. I think he's dead. Nope. Well, gee. I would say no. Frank Oz is not dead. He is alive and well. And I will vamp here for a bit while you do... I don't know how I know. He's still around, though. John Williams oh, is still around. Oh, you're right. He's 75 years See? old. It'll be a sad day when he goes. It'll be a sad day when John Williams goes. George, I mean, all, they're all getting up there. George Lucas isn't exactly a spring chicken either. Well, what about, like, there's a lot of, like, those kind of voice actor characters. So, like, Frank Oswald's in that, but I also was thinking, yeah. like, like Peter Cullen and Frank Welker. And like, like especially, yeah, I would think, actually, Welker would be the bigger loss out of the two. Because Welker, well, he has voiced over his life. Dear God. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I feel like voice actors kind of are some of the unsung heroes in, I don't know, Hollywood, I suppose, or whatever, because they're just the body of work that they can crank out, and, you know, it's it's kind of staggering. You know, they can do animated shows, they can do video games, they can do, you know, commercials. It's just, it's kind of nuts. And they can even do live-action stuff if they want. I mean, you think about it, like, Frank Welker, he did Fred Jones from, like, Scooby-Doo. He's done Megatron and a lot of other popular Transformers. He's, uh, God, there was another, why am I, like, blanking? There's one other person I'm thinking that's a very uh, prominent character that he's voiced. Fred Flintstone. Uh, no. <laughs> Probably not. He is not. He, no, because Fred Flintstone was voiced by Bob Banks. <laughs> Screw that guy. Now, hang on a second here. Now you're going to have to look, and I'm going to have to vamp again. You're not going to have to vamp, because my Internet's very strong in my house at this point. Way to go. Right. So, I mean, if you look at filmography, wow, he's got his own. Here we go. We're not not looking at it. Let's see. we got Fred Jones. So we got that. Uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. He was Dr. Claw and Inspector Gadget. Nice. Yep. So we got that. He was Jabberjaw. Jabberjaw? Why do we know that? Uh, it's a Hanna-Barbera cartoon character. Uh, 
He did a lot of uh, DC stuff, like with Super Friends and. Interesting. Uh huh. I mean, uh, wow, I'm only at 81. Uh, that's right, he did Iceman and Flash Thompson and Spider-Man and Amazing Friends. Really? Yep. Interesting. Yeah, there's a callback to that. Do you do Miss Tiger? Uh, no. Or was it, or was it Miss Lion? <laughs> uh, it was Miss Lion, I think. There we go. Uh, yeah, because he did Dark Side and Calabac in the Super Friends cartoon. Uh, he did so many different Transformers. Well, I'm sure. He did the voice of Scooter from GoBots. Oh, God. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll forgive him for that one. For a pre- uh, previous episode. Whoop. You like hitting that microphone stand tonight. Well, here's the thing. Like, we have more freedom because I changed our microphone configurations to make it easier to talk into. But now, like, I'm being a lot more reckless, apparently. You have to be hyper aware of where your microphone stand is at all times. Yeah, he did several G.I. Joe characters. There's got to be one character I'm missing right now. I don't know. Wow, he did a lot of the Beagle Boys. Interesting. From DuckTales. I did not know that. Uh, And this is America, Charlie Brown. He did the voice of Abraham Lincoln, Theodore Roosevelt, and Alexander Graham Bell. Wow. Apparently, I did not realize. It was in 1988-89 is when that came out. That's a random fact. That is a random, random fact. Dead silence. Enjoy it, because that means I'm not talking. Enjoy while we look at our phones, while Mike looks at his phone. He did a lot of voices on Animaniacs. And I look at all the beer that's up on the wall up there. Oh, drink beer. There's lots of surly... Lots of arrogant, or not arrogant, not arrogant bastard. That's one of the flavors, but stone. There we go. Stone beers. That's most of it. There's Lagunitas. That's right. He did the voice of Ray in Ghostbusters, the cartoon. Oh, nice. All right. The voice of Nibbler from Futurama. That's why. Ah. Does Nibbler. Yeah, he does in a couple episodes, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Most of the time, he doesn't talk, though. So, yeah, what I'm just trying to say is, like, man, I mean, I'm not even through 2004, and there's been already, like, 200 entries on here of things that Frank oh, yes. Welker's done, so. Good job, Frank. Not like you, Bob. Screw you, Bob Eubanks. Yeah, Bob Eubanks. <laughs> All right. And with that. Let's let's wrap it up here. <laughs> Thank you for listening to uh, this episode. Subscribe, rate, and all that other happy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Suck it, Bob Eubanks. We'll see you next time. Have a good one, everybody. Bye.